You're listening to a podcast from Victory. Through Christ, we are more than conquerors. Discover faith that conquers in week three of Dare to Believe. Today we're going to be looking at another interesting character in the Bible, in the Old Testament. But before we go there, how many of you, I just want to ask a quick question. How many of you here are 40 years old and above. I don't mean to mess up your afternoon, okay? But how many of you here, you know, are 40 and above? And I am the first one raising up my hand. You are 40 years old and above, and you feel like you're 20. Come on, how many of you are uh, in that particular category? You're 40 and above. Please raise it up high. All right, they say that 40 is the new 30, okay? Parang feeling 30 lang tayo. Thank you so much. Now, how many of you are below 40? Wow, you're rubbing it in, ha? Kayo talaga, ha? Yung iba sa inyo, 39 and a half na ako. I'm below 40, pastor. You know, and the reason why I ask that question is because sometimes you can look at the age of 40 and it can be daunting because, you know, you feel that you're old. And you know, when I turned 40 just a few years ago, sometime in the past, I suddenly felt so many changes in my body physically, okay? But, you know, we as a church, we love young people. How many of you are again under 40? Please raise your hand. We love the dynamism. We love the energy. We love the vibrancy. That's why we always preach about the next generation. But how many of you know that God also uses the generation of the 40 and above? God will use the energy of the youth. But God will use the resource of the 40 and above. Amen. Come on now. All right. We cannot live with the resources of the below 40, okay? Well, maybe a bit, okay? Really, when you talk about generations and ages, God will use anyone who will be fully devoted to Him, no matter what age you are. Whether you're young or old, what kind of demographic that you belong to, God will use us. As I was... uh, researching in this particular message, I just happened to browse through this interesting fact that the oldest marathoner in the world is uh, now 104 years old. Okay? His name is Fauja Singh. Okay? I think it's really the beer that helps him run fast. Okay? But Fauja Singh is the oldest marathoner and he's still alive. He is now 104 years old, born in 1911. How many of you are already in that particular age? Wala pa naman siguro, no? Alright? He started his first marathon at the age of 89. Now, how many of you are 89? Wala pa rin. Looking at this particular article, I said, kaya pa pala. Can you imagine? He's a late bloomer, and his first marathon was 89, and he did not stop with but one marathon. He continued to run different marathons, and so far he's run seven marathons and you know several um, half marathons in different uh, categories and in different uh, nations. His fastest record or best time was five hours and 42 minutes in a 42K run. That's in the London Marathon. Can you imagine at the age of 89, now 104? That was my fastest time in my 10K run. No, just kidding, okay? Uh, you know, five hours, you know, because I do run, walk, run. But here, he was, was really fast. And one thing I discovered, he's a vegetarian, okay? How many of you are vegetarian? Maybe that would help as well. But, you know, somehow this particular story would actually tell us that you're never too old to do something that you want, right? No one is too old for God. 
Do you believe that? You know, don't be depressed if you are over 40. There's a long life ahead of us. Amen. And so, you know, yesterday we were right here celebrating uh, the first Leaders Convergence, and we call it, uh, we call it uh, Leaders Kickoff. And our speaker yesterday was our very own running pastor, Pastor Ferdy Kabiling. And many of you have heard of his story that at the age of 50 last year, he ran for 50 days at 50 kilometers every day. Every day that is consecutive days. Okay, not, you know, 50 today and then 50 next. No, he ran 50 Monday, 50 Tuesday, 50 Wednesday, 50 Thursday, 50, you know, until Saturday. His only break was Sunday. And on Sundays, he would preach in a victory church where he is part at. Can you imagine? That is Pastor Ferdy and his motto is never give up. And he says, I run for those who cannot. Those who know me personally know that I will do everything I can to finish the race. And how many of you know that God has a race marked out for each one of us? And God wants us to finish the race. How many of you are expecting that you will finish the race? Amen. And God calls us to finish the race strong. He wants us to finish the race, not just to finish the race, you know, you know, almost making it to the finish line, but I believe that God wants for us to finish the race really strong, just like this guy that we're going to be talking about, and I'm referring to Caleb, uh, the friend of Joshua. Okay, just uh, to give us a quick uh, recap on what audacious faith is all about. Audacious faith is a daring, everybody say daring, daring. and fearless trust in God and His Word. You know, it's dauntless. You know, it's really, you know, uh, really believing and standing on the Word of God as it is. So we're going to be reading the scripture right now. I'd like to invite everyone to stand. Uh, If you have your Bibles, please open to the book of Joshua. Still in the book of Joshua, chapter 14. This time, last week we talked about uh, Joshua chapter 10. So please open it to Joshua. If you don't know where Joshua is, Matthew, Mark, Joshua. No, just kidding. It's in the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then Joshua. It's the sixth book in the Bible. Joshua, chapter 14, verse 6. Then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, in Kadesh Barnea, concerning you and me. I was 40 years old. Everybody say 40 years old. When Moses, the servant of God, the Lord sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt in fear. Yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. Everybody say, wholly followed the Lord. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely, you know, I love this word, surely. Everybody say, surely. I love that word, surely, okay? Surely. The land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever. Because you have what? Holy followed the Lord. Let's say those words again. Holy followed the Lord, my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he said, These 45 years, since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now behold, 
I am this day, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and coming. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. Then Joshua blessed him, and he gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for an inheritance. Therefore, Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord. Once again, let's say those words, holy, follow the Lord, the God of Israel. Now the name of Hebron formerly was Kiriath Arba, and Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim, and the land had rest from war. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this afternoon, Lord. We thank you for your word that brings us encouragement, your word that brings us life. Your word says faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. And we thank you, Lord God, even today that you would give us the same audacious faith and tenacious faith like Caleb. This we ask in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say, Amen. You may all be seated. All right, just to give us a quick background on the story. This was the time when Joshua and Caleb and the different tribes were distributing the land uh, according to their tribes. And from Joshua chapter 13, I believe, to, the, to chapter 21, it was a different type of allotment for each tribe. And so the first three tribes, Ephraim, God, and the Reubenites, got their tribe uh, inheritance on the east side of the Jordan and the rest on the west side. Now, in chapter 14, uh, Caleb was bold enough to go to Joshua and ask for Hebron. Hebron was a hill city, and the reason why it was very significant was because of these things. Okay? It's a very significant city for the following reason. Number one, it was hard to conquer because it is located 3,000 feet above sea level, just like Jerusalem. And this was the time, uh, you know, about 45 years earlier, when Joshua and Caleb, together with 10 other spies, went to the land of Canaan and explored the land, this is exactly where they stood and the spot where they uh, saw that this land that the Lord is giving to them is a land flowing with milk and honey. And so they saw the fruit and they also saw that there were giants in the land, but this was a very strategic place because you know a high place is normally one of the best pieces of uh, property and real estate in a certain location. Now, it's also the place where Abraham built an altar to God and where God established his covenant with Abraham. Uh, in fact, Hebron means fellowship. The word Hebron means fellowship, and this is where God met with Abraham. An older name for Hebron is Kiriath Arba, which means the land of the five giants. You've got to understand that Joshua is a good friend of Caleb. As we have read in the scripture earlier, he was referring to, you know, I was a strong today 45 years ago because 45 years earlier when Moses sent out 12 spies, you know, kind of like 007, okay? You know, he sent out these 12 spies to go and explore the land of Canaan. And uh, he was basically asking, is that the land that God has for us? You know, what kind of resources are there? What kind of fruitfulness is that land? And who are the inhabitants? 
And, uh, you know, they were kind of describing when they came back. Ten spies. Everybody say ten. Ten spies gave a bad report about how negative it was and how bad it is if they will try to conquer that land because that is a land full of giants. It was the land of the giants. And so they were discouraged and they were fearful and they were murmuring and they were complaining. But yet Joshua and Caleb were two spies who were convinced about the promise of God. They were outnumbered. Two out of twelve. Can you imagine? The ratio 10 is against them and yet two believe that God will give them the land that He promised. How many of you know that it's not about a majority rule? Because even if you are the minority, if you know that God is for you, who can be against you? Amen. And so this Caleb guy is a man with a different spirit. So let's talk about Caleb. Caleb, actually, if you look at his, uh, the meaning of his name, his name means dog. Literally. Okay, or dog town. You know, I really believe that, yeah, it's no accident that a man's best friend is a dog. They're known for their loyalty. They're known for their tenacity. They're known for, you know, especially if you look at the pit bull, diba? You know, when you talk about the pit bull, the way it would actually uh, put something in its jaw, it would just lock it and it would be tenacious, you know. And, and that's kind of like Caleb. Because as we have read in the scripture uh, from verses 6 to 15, we see a recurring verse. Three times it was mentioned that Caleb was a man who wholly followed the Lord. How many of you would like to be known as a guy or a woman who would wholly follow the Lord? Please raise your hand. Isn't that a nice description for us? You know, I would rather have that as a description rather than he is a pastor or he is this guy who actually planted this church in this location. You know, I would rather be known as a man who wholly followed the Lord. Amen. In fact, that would be a nice uh, phrase for your tombstone when you die. And I'm, I, don't mean, I don't mean to be morbid, okay? But, you know, I'd rather be described that way. Ariel Marquez, January 3, 1968, to blank, okay? Hello pa, hello. okay? But yet the statement is a man who wholly followed the Lord. And that was Caleb. Three times here it was mentioned, six times in other portions of Scripture. In the book of Numbers, in the book of Deuteronomy, in the book of Chronicles, it was mentioned. You know, he was not just referred to by his friends as this guy is a guy who fully, fully followed the Lord. It was God Himself who said, this man is a man who wholly followed the Lord. What a description by God to recognize such a man. In Numbers chapter 14, verse 24, and he said this, But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land into which he went, and his descendants shall possess it. So that was the description. He is a man with a different spirit. He would not agree with the majority. When the ten spies would say, we cannot do it, he would actually speak up and say, no, we can do it. He doesn't mind if it's not a popular opinion. Hello? Because sometimes we'd always talk about popular votes. But the reality is, is that the will of God for our life? The ten spies, they said negative things. And this is really interesting because these ten spies were really part of those people who went out from Egypt and is about to be promised the promised land. 
But yet, because of their negativism and because of their lack of faith, they were disqualified from entering the promised land. They started murmuring. They started complaining. When they saw the giants in the land, they actually sowed fear in the heart of the people. And yet, Caleb was one with a different spirit. And God himself said, He is one that followed me fully. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 35, this is the time when Moses finally died. And he actually just reached Mount Nebo. And it was Joshua and the next generation who was about to enter the promised land. And so he was actually making billion to uh, Joshua. Tagalog, you know? The Lord said to Joshua, you know, Moses, my servant, is dead. For I want you to be strong and courageous. He said that four times. In fact, be strong and very courageous because you will actually inherit this promised land. And there's going to be giants in the land. And then he said this in verse 35. Not one of these men, and he was referring to the other spies and the generation that went out of Egypt. This evil generation. Can you imagine? The men that were chosen to become spies, they were leaders of their tribes. Leader of Benjamin, leader of the tribe of Asher, leader of Nephtali, leader of Simeon, leader of Levi. But yet they were disqualified to enter the promised land. And the Lord himself said, men of this evil generation, not one. Everybody say, not one. And indeed, that's exactly what happened to them. The number of Jews that came out of Egypt was probably about a million or so. Some would say it's about 2 million. And Joshua and Caleb and part of this generation went out. They crossed the Red Sea and they were in the wilderness for 40 years. But because of their attitude of complaining and grumbling and doubt and unbelief, they were judged by God in the desert. And they died in the desert. Guess what? Only two people remained. Joshua and Caleb and all the other million plus people died in the desert. And a new generation rose up. That's why it was called a Joshua generation that was ushered into the promised land. And God was saying, this evil generation, not one of these men of this evil generation shall see the good land I swore to give to their fathers. Except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he shall see it. And to him and to his children, I will give the land on which he has trodden. Because he has what? Holy followed the Lord. You know, we must follow the Lord with a heart of full devotion and a life of full obedience. Amen. And really, when you talk about audacious faith, audacious faith is not just about us believing or putting our faith or maybe stretching our faith that is beyond you know, our unbelief. It's really putting our faith in the big God. It's deciding that Jesus is Lord. It's really living a life that represents Him. It's a life that is lived that's solely interested in pleasing God and not pleasing men. And that's exactly what God is looking for. God is looking for a man and a woman with a different spirit. Look at the person beside you and ask that person, are you that person with a different spirit? Sabi mo sa kanya, iba ka talaga. Yan. God is looking for, you know, men and women with a different spirit. A man, a man and a woman who will be fully devoted, wholly devoted to God. And these are the three lessons that we can find from the life of Caleb and his audacious faith. Number one, Audacious faith looks at what God has done in the past. 
And how many of you would agree with me that God is faithful in your past? Amen. How many of you can see that despite the fact that we have gone through some trials, sino rito nagkaroon ng trials sa past? And yet, buhay ka pa. Sino rito buhay pa? O di faithful si Lord, di ba? You know, God is faithful to us. You know, what God has done in the past, whether it's healing or provision or restoration of relationship or just the fact that God saved us from our sins is something to thank God for and celebrate every single day. Amen. Come on now. Give the Lord praise. God is faithful. Audacious faith looks at what God has done in the past. And Caleb was reminiscing on the experience that he had with Joshua. And in verse 6, he said, Then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God in Kadesh Barnea, concerning you and me. I was 40 years old. So he was looking at the past. But yet he wasn't relying on his strength. He was relying on the promise of God for him. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in my heart. In verse 8, it says, But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. What does it mean to be fully devoted to the Lord? You know, my, my two girls are right now studying piano. Their older sister, Bea, studied piano when she was probably 10 years old. But now it was time for Anna and Andre to study piano. None of the members in my family are really musically inclined. Not me and Shirley, okay? I don't really sing. I don't really play anything, any instrument, okay? I, like, I just like listening to nice music, okay? And so we're encouraging the girls to go through this class so that they can actually be disciplined. And how many of you know it's healthy for our children to go through some form of sports or extracurricular to learn discipline, Okay? So, we uh, encouraged them and we enrolled them in piano lessons so that the piano teacher would come to the house and teach them piano. Anna is kind of like a natural and she would actually get it. But my cute little one, the youngest one, would be taught by our piano teacher. I, I was uh, observing one time when the teacher was just trying to teach her and, uh, you know, she is losing her patience already uh, because, you know, as she was sitting on the piano, it was almost like her posture was like this. Ding. And the teacher was encouraging, you got to put your heart into your music. And so I, I also agreed right after when the teacher left, I said, Andrea, anyway, Andrea, you've got to put your heart there. You've got to be fully devoted to what God has you know, allowed you to do right now. With regards to other things, like maybe being in the kitchen, she's really passionate about that. She would love to bake and she would love to cook. I guess, you know, uh, she would really put her heart into the things that really interest her. And that, I think, is, you know, maybe being a little master chef there. But, you know, the point is, you know, you can actually put your heart into something that God has called you to be in. And, you know, I believe that when you talk about us serving the Lord, it doesn't have to be full-time that you can actually be fully devoted to the Lord. How many of you know, even if you are a businessman, you can wholly follow the Lord? Even if you are a housewife, you can wholly follow the Lord. How many students do we have? Please raise your hand. As a student, you can wholly follow the Lord in your classes. And the life that you live right now is a testament 
on your devotion to God. Verse 9, it says, And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. You know, going back to the story in Numbers chapter 13, and this was the time when they went finally into the land, and the people were murmuring. And in verse 30, you know, the, the other spies were basically complaining. It's interesting to know that they saw the same thing. Ten said negative report, two said positive report. How many of you know that it's really about perspective and about your faith in the Lord? I remember the story of a shoe salesman that went to Africa. He was sent by the home office. And this first salesman called the home office and said, Hey, I looked around and nobody is wearing shoes here. We have no potential here. Let's not open up stop, uh, store here. And so he went back to the home office. Another month came and another salesman uh, went there. And he looked at the people in Africa with barefoot, you know, no shoes around. And he called the home office, Hey! Let's open up the store here. There's so much potential here because no one is wearing shoes. We can introduce to them our shoes. Two salesmen saw the same thing, but two have different perspective. Which one will we be? Will you be a, the one that will look at things on a positive light or will you be another person who will actually look at the negative side of things? Who among us are optimists, right? You're always positive in your, you know, every time that you look at a problem, kindly Lord Yan. But some people are naturally negative or pessimist. Masakit na yung ulo, cancer na to. <laughs> you know, there are people who are really magnifiers of problem. I call it, they are catastrophic in their thinking. A little pain here. Okay, that's a big lump. Okay, God, you know, you will lose your leg already. Something like that. You know, or, or somebody maybe in the office will do something bad. Okay, we will close shop already. You know, there's, a, there's a people like that. And many times, as we see in the statistics, there are more people who are saying negative things than people who are saying positive things. Ten spies said negative things. Two spies said positive things. How many of you will be part of the two spies who will say positive things about your life? Amen. Come on now. Because God has great things for us. Amen. Come on, give the Lord praise right now. God has great things things that he has planned in store for us. And so, what Caleb did when the spies were murmuring and complaining and saying negative report, Caleb quieted the people before Moses and basically he said, shut up! In a nice way. He said, let us go up at once and occupy it for we are well able to overcome it. He didn't care whether they were giants in the land. He didn't care whether they were trained. He knew for a fact it was God fighting the battle for them. And that's really how we would face our you know, obstacles. How do we face our Hebrons? Our Hebron is actually the hill country. It's filled with giants. You may probably face a Hebron in your health, or maybe a Hebron in your finance, or maybe a Hebron in your relationships, uh, whether in family or maybe with a friend. That may be a giant in the land. But you know, if you trust the Lord, I believe you will be able to overcome it, just like the attitude of Caleb. Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. These are the ten spies again saying this. So they brought to the people of Israel a what? A bad report. 
Their negativism basically spread like wildfire. Bad report of the land that they said had spied out saying, the land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw it are of great height. In fact, they are like giants in the land. Okay? And in verse 33 it says, And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak. Anak pa lang yun, giant na. Okay? Papalo pa mga tatays. Okay? The sons of Anakites, the Anakites, who come from the Nephilim, and we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. The ten spies, the people were spreading bad reports, and the people finally caught that, and they believed the report. And they were saying, we're like grasshoppers to them. And that seems, you know, and we seem to them as well. Guess what? As a man thinks to himself, so is he. If you think of that to yourself, you're right. What do you see yourself doing? Do you see someone who's a victorious Christian or someone who's defeated? As a man thinks to himself, you're right. You are that person. You're right. But if you're added to this, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You're right. Because that is our destiny in life. Our destiny is to win. Amen. Our destiny is to overcome. We are called to overcome. We are called to be victorious. And Caleb had the audacity to rise up above his circumstance, to rise up above what is naturally, virtually impossible because he had faith in his big God. Dare to believe when others fear. You know, my challenge for us this afternoon is no matter what the people are saying negatively, whether it's in your situation, whether it's in your family, among the family, whether it's among your, or maybe in this nation, Maybe people are saying about the Philippines, how many of you would buy the lie that, that you know, our, our nation will be a great nation someday? Amen. We are destined to be big and we are destined to be great. Righteousness exalts a nation. And I believe that one day righteousness will rule and reign in this land. Amen. Come on now. We have a prophetic destiny. So my second point is this. Audacious faith looks at what God is doing. Caleb looked at the past, but it was not about his past. It was about God's promise in the past. And how many of you believe that when God gives us a promise, He will be faithful to fulfill that promise? That's why you know, he did not stop there. Now he's looking at, yes, God is faithful in the past. Now what about the present? Audacious faith dares to look at what God is doing in the now. What is God doing right now in your life? Maybe you're going through a struggle, but maybe God is just stretching you out so that you can have a bigger faith. In the case of Caleb, he basically declared he dared to fight when others quit. You know, if you're 85 years old, do you think that's the time for retirement? No, really. Pag 85 ka, what will you do? Eh, pwede na ako magtrabaho. He could have actually went to Joshua and he would have asked, can you just give me a rest house? I want to rest from war. Can you give me a rocking chair? I'm ako. Time for me to retire. I want to enjoy my 20% already. You know, something like that, okay? That can actually be the statement of Caleb. But yet, at 85 years old, he dared to fight. I want to be in the front line. I want to be in the front row. Let's read that in verse 10. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. That statement says a lot. 
Behold, the Lord has kept me alive. How many of you are thankful that God has kept you alive all these years? Amen. You know, I'm thankful that when I woke up this morning, I have breath in my lungs and I have a heartbeat. That is a gift from God. Because as long as you are alive, God is not done with you yet. Amen. Pero, sabi nga nila, tatapusin ka rin ni Lord, right? Tama yan, di ba? In a good way. You know, he who started a good work in us will be faithful to complete the work in us. And so this is what he said, the Lord has kept me alive. When I was looking at my life in the past, you know, how God has spared me from wrong decisions, from accidents, from disasters. And you know, it was God's hand just sparing me and God was the one directing me sovereignly, the people that I've met. You know, can you imagine if God did not allow uh, the things that happened to you, you would probably not end up here. God definitely has a plan and a purpose for every one of us. His sovereignty. He is the brilliant strategist. And don't even despair for everything that happened in your life, good and bad. I celebrate the good things that God has given to me. But I also thank God for the bad things that I have experienced. Because that brought about a stretching in my faith to believe that indeed God is a faithful God. You know, how can God prove to us that He is Jehovah Jireh if we have not gone through lack and poverty and maybe losing job or maybe, you know, no finance or maybe huge debts? Yet we know for a fact that God is Jehovah Jireh. God wants to put you in the front row, naka IMAX 3D, so that you will experience it yourself and not just hear about it from another friend. Ay, buti ka pa, nagpo-provide si Lord, para naman ako. You know, but God wants to prove Himself great and strong and faithful on our behalf. He has kept us alive so that we can experience that and really fight for the inheritance that He has given to us. Just as He said, let's continue, this 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now behold, I am this day 85 years old. This is interesting in verse 11. It says, I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and coming. You know, the reality is when I became 40, something changed in my physical body. I felt different. You know, suddenly... There's a different result for my annual physical exam. I became top notcher in many of those items triglyceride, cholesterol, <laughs> uric acid. You know, something really changed. You know, suddenly I feel that, you know, parang, parang masadali ako mapagod, parang ganon, masasakit yung likod ko. When I read, I would actually now, you know, remove my glass because I cannot see it. And what I used to see, now I can't see anymore. Something changed. And I was wondering. How can this happen to Caleb at the age of 85? He was still the same, as strong as he was 45 years earlier. Maybe some of you are wondering, oh, maybe, di ba, Pastor, matatandaan sila talaga, yun, like Methuselah, he was 900 plus years old, you know, and Enoch, yeah, well, he worked, walked with God, but he was about 400 plus years old. No, at that time, yeah, people were living long, but after the flood, the age of men became 120 maximum. In fact, the book of Psalms would say, say uh, that our years are 70, 80 years if we have the strength. So this is like a normal 
uh, age for them. What we feel now is what Caleb is uh, was during that time. So our 85 now is the equivalent of the 85 then. But yet what he did was, I believe, he was preparing for war because his inheritance was coming. And as he was going out for battle, you know, he, was, he was joining out in the conquest of different lands, he was waiting for the opportune time when his time would finally come for the Lord to give him the promised land called Hebron. That's why he prepared for war and he actually was ready to fight the battle. Have you ever looked back at your past and realized that it was God that kept you alive all these years? I believe so. God has a destiny for you. Don't ever give up. It's too early to quit. Amen. Don't throw in the towel and say, I have no hope anymore. No, as long as you are alive, there's hope. Amen. Tell the person beside you, tell that person, fight, don't quit. Let's all be ready to fight and claim our inheritance. Amen. You know, just to give us a perspective of what it was, you know, how they conquered. This is basically the promised land, the land of Canaan. And they started off on the eastern side of the river Jordan. Okay, going to the left and look at all this. And this is where Hebron was. Okay, they started from Gilgal and they, stri- they tried to conquer all that. And at the age of 85, which is one of the most difficult places to conquer, he had the audacity to ask and believe God for that particular inheritance that God has promised him. Audacious faith looks at what God will do. You look at the past. You look at the present, you look at the future, but it's all about God. What God did in the past, what God is doing today, and what God will do. My sub-point is, dare to ask when others don't. When was the last time you boldly asked for something from the Lord? You know, there's nothing too big or too small when you ask God. Amen. Maybe sometimes we're thinking, busy si Lord sa Iraq or sa Syria, daming pinapatay ng ISIS. Grabe, doon na lang muna si Lord, pahinga muna siya sa akin. No, God wants to hear your voice. The Bible says, you have not because you ask not. Diba sa Bible, sa Bible, Lord, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. And knock and the door will be what? Open unto us. We've got to ask. Let's be bold and audacious. Caleb decided to ask. In verse 12, he said, so now what? Give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. He was asking boldly. The leader of the, the whole nation, Joshua, he said, Give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there with great fortified cities. So I believe Anakim was there already, okay? That's, what, that's where they got the Star Wars. Anyway, so in verse 12b, it says, It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. What is one promise that God has given to you that you haven't really prayed for? Let's dare to ask the Lord. Amen? You know, Joshua blessed him and he gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for an inheritance. Therefore, Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite to this day because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. You know, I was convicted as I was preparing this message. And I was just reminded about God's promise for this church in particular. I haven't really asked. Yes, I was asking, but I haven't really asked specifically for the promises of God for this church. And I remember when, when uh, 
one of the pastors, Prophet Jim Lafoon, spoke about the prophetic word for this particular congregation. And he said this, There will be four congregations from here. Akasha is the first. There will be three more. We need to pray. Amen. We need to ask the Lord, give us those cities. Give us Las Piñas, Lord. Give us Paranaque, Lord. And give us, I don't know, Zapote or whatever, okay? Or maybe, I don't know, Kupang or whatever, okay? Whatever is the fourth one, you know, we better ask the Lord. Because it's not about us. At the end of the day, it's about His will and it's about His kingdom advancing. Amen. And then he said prophetically, you know, I, I, you know, about three prophecies, you know, from Pastor Jojo and Pastor Jim, they spoke about a building for us. God promised us that He will give us a building. And I just said, Lord, parang ayoko yata ang pasukan yun. Parang, it's just so daunting. But I believe this particular series, Dare to Believe, is really time for us to ask the Lord specifically. We just finished our building in the fort, Ian Building. And that, you know, that was done, paid for without any debts. Can you imagine how? Can we just give the Lord praise for that? It was two years in the making, no debts, and it was paid for. Only a little bit more, and then we're fully done. But how many of you are in faith with me that maybe, maybe, perhaps the Lord will move on our behalf, and maybe Alabang is next. Amen. We're going to have a building of our own. It may seem impossible, but nothing is too difficult for the Lord. I would like the same attitude as Jehoshaphat when he said, Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. Ultimately, this is the Lord's fight. Amen. This is the Lord's battle. If it's God's will, it's God's bill. He will be the one to pay for it. Amen. And you know, another prophecy that came about when I was a new pastor in Alabama, about maybe 12 years ago, one of the more known prophets in the movement, uh, Pastor Emmanuel Canistracy, he's an old man now. But back then, he was giving me a prophetic word. He actually stood me out of the crowd of different pastors and he said, uh, where do you pastor? I say, you know, I, I said, I pastor in the south of Metro Manila. And he basically asked me this, is that an affluent place? Marami ro bang mayayaman doon? I said, yeah, kind of. Tignan mo yung katabi mo, ikaw yun. Sabi mo sa kanya, ikaw yun, okay? But this was a prophetic word. And he said this, you know, I see in your congregation, it's almost like a political party every Sunday. I see politicians coming in, you know, there are no party lines and, you know, they may be coming from different parties, but yet they are coming as one to worship the Lord. How many of you that can actually be a picture of our church? Amen. When different people, you know, public officials would come here, senators, as he was saying, senators and congressmen and mayors coming together worshiping the Lord. And then he said this, I see millions of dollars coming into your church. And I remember that word. And I said, Lord, as I see today, asan yung millions of dollars? Parang medyo hindi ko pa nakikita yun. How many of you are in faith that that will happen? Amen. We got to fight for that. And the reason why I'm excited for that millions of dollars is not because the church will be rich, but God will use people like you and me to provide the million. Can you imagine? Do the math. If you will give a tithe of a millions of dollars, how many will you earn? That means, and he said this, God's going to raise up many multi-millionaires in your church. Amen. Come on now. How many of you will believe that you are part of that? Because God is raising up a generous people in your midst. And he said that. You know, I'm in faith. I'm excited when I see millionaires being raised up from within. 
And that's a prophetic word. And I don't know when that will happen. That might be in this particular generation. It will be in this generation. Amen. Come on now. We've got to fight for it. We've got to believe God for that. Will we be part of the ten spies who say, hindi pwede mangyari yun. Ang hirap ng Pilipinas. Or, will we be like Joshua and Caleb who say, so be it. Let the word of the Lord come to pass because He was the one who gave us the promise. Amen. You know, I was so excited this morning when I saw Pastor Lito Moldes. When Lito Moldes and Ellen, husband and wife, and they were sharing this story on how they met. Really, he's an older single guy for your information. And Ellen was part of the team and she was sharing this story that at the age of 32 back then, she was really asking, oh, Lord, give me a husband. Can you, how many of you singles would actually ask that prayer? Okay? If Caleb would ask the Lord, give me this hill country, then we need to ask the Lord, give me a husband or give me a wife. He, she dared to believe and she fasted for seven days. To hear the word of the Lord, about a couple of months, he would, the, the team would actually come back to Manila because every year they come back to Manila for a short break. And so after the prayer and fasting, and she was the only one who fasted, by the way, and the team knows about it. Lito asked her, okay, so how's your fast? She said, you know, I'm actually asking the Lord for wisdom and I'm asking the Lord for a favor that he, he will give me a husband in the Philippines. And Ellen said to Lito, don't worry. I'm going to pray for you that God will also give you a wife. And you know what, El- what Lito said? I am praying for you that you will be my wife. <laughs> because one year before, Lito somehow started praying for Ellen because before that, he was actually interested in another girl and the pastor heard about it and they asked the girl, the girl was not at all interested, and they told Lito, sorry bro, busted. Okay, look for another person. Okay, so that's how simple it is. Hello, it doesn't have to be mystical. And so Lito was really a gentleman. Ellen did not even have any hint that Lito had any interest in her. Because of the age gap, 16 years yung age gap, mga kapatid. Ang tawag ni Ellen kay Lito, Kuya Lito. Buti hindi Tito Lito. Kasi pag Tito Lito, medyo ang sakit naman nun, di ba? And when Lito spoke that, you know, I am praying for you. You know, Ellen just said, well, let's not talk about it here. Let's talk about it here in Manila. Kaka-fast ko lang. Let me talk to God. When she went back to her apartment, that same day, that same night, okay, she went back, you know what? She cried before the Lord. And she said, Lord, ayoko kay Lito. <laughs> Not because pangit siya. But she was doing the math. And she said, Lord, if I marry this guy, they say that the husbands normally are the first ones to go. Baka pagkinasal kami, baka babalo, magmawido kagad ako. But that particular night, she was crying before the Lord and God was somehow speaking to her. She cried until 4 a.m. in the morning. And guess what? At 6 a.m., Lito called her. Ano, may sagot ka na? Lito said, 
Tanungin mo na yung desire mo sa Manila at tanungin mo siya, sabihin mo sa kanila, nagpaplano tayo ng marriage. He didn't even say to her, I love you yet. You know what happened? When they woke up in the morning that particular afternoon, they were talking about wedding plans. Audacious faith. Give me that mountain. Give me this girl. And what's interesting was this. On their way back to Manila, they went through Dubai and, you know, Lito wanted to buy a ring for Ellen. And one of the team leaders wanted to have an organized party so that Lito can properly ask the big question, will you marry me? But Lito had no idea what size ring that Ellen needs. So what he did was, Ellen, lika nga rito. Gusto ko makita yung size mo. Sinukatan siya ng sing-sing. And sabi niya, okay, thank you, you may go. And Lito kept it for a while. But Ellen was waiting for Lito to give it to her already. Hindi pa nga nag I love you, hello. Sabi ni Lito, asama tingin ni Ellen, bakit hindi ko binigay sa kanya. So what he did was, Bigay ko na nga. Baka pahihintayin sa Manila, di ba? At binigay niya yung sing-sing and Ellen was actually so happy even if they haven't even said, I love you. It's a funny story. God has blessed them with four beautiful children. After that, they got married, you know, and I think Lito was almost 50 when he got married. But it was somehow an audacious kind of faith that he extended because Ellen said to, the, to, to us, I'm not really a mystical person, Pastor. But when God says it, I believe it and I go for it. You know, when you make a decision in life, it's not really about you trying to write or wait, wait for the right things on the wall. You know, Lord, sino ba? Pakisulot mga pangalan niya, Lord. You know, and here you are, you're watching a TV. Oh, Thomas. Yeah, nice. Thomas the train or whatever, okay? You know, you don't have to be too mystical. Look around you. Tignan mo yung katabi mo. Tignan mo yung katabi mo. Baka ikaw. Hindi, hindi, hindi. okay? But my question for us is, would you dare to believe God and ask? Ask for your inheritance. Ask for that job. Lord, I'm praying, I'm asking that you would promote me this year in the name of Jesus. Ask for that restoration in your marriage. Lord, strengthen my marriage. Ask for salvation among your children. Lord, save them. May they serve you the, all the days of their life. Ask for a breakthrough in your relationship. Ask for restoration, right? Ask for a healing. Dare to ask God for the impossible and God will move on our behalf. Amen. Come on now. Because audacious faith is faith that obeys and conquers. It's not about us conquering the promised land. It's what Jesus Christ did on the cross. He conquered the cross already. He is victorious. He is the King of Kings. We celebrate His goodness every Sunday. It's a Sunday declaration that Jesus is Lord. He is victorious King that we serve. Amen. That's why Paul said to Timothy, and I, this is my last verse, and I would like to ask the music team to join me here on stage. He said, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you have made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Fight the good fight. Don't ever give up. God has called us to finish the race strong. Amen? 
Can we just bow our heads right now as we pray? You know, if you are just like Caleb and believing God for the promises for your life, maybe you're facing a Hebron and you're asking the Lord, Lord, give me this mountain, give me this hill country, give me this promotion or give me this relationship, give me this restoration in marriage or whatever that is, healing or maybe wisdom or favor. Maybe you're asking the Lord for favor for a visa or maybe favor in your school or maybe you're, you're doing a new project and you need wisdom. You're asking the Lord, whatever that is. Things may be, you know, daunt, you know can, bring you, can be daunting. But yet God wants to prove Himself strong on your behalf. If that is you, can you please raise up your hand? If you're asking the Lord, Lord, give me this hill country. Give me faith. Give me, you know, this provision. I want to pray for you right now. I believe that that's many of us. If you're believing God for a breakthrough in whatever area in your life right now, let's just ask the Lord right now. Let's ask boldly, just like Caleb. Father God, we lift up our hands to you. And we ask, even for the impossible things, because it's, at the end of the day, it's not about us. It's about your promise that we are standing on. It's about your uh, plans for our life, Lord God. It's not about our plans. We commit to you our plans already. For many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevail. Lord, I thank you that you will guide our steps every single day, Lord God. Lord, we declare that the steps of a righteous are like the first gleam of dawn. It shines ever brighter until the noonday sun, Lord. That our destiny in life will become better and better. We're not going back, Lord God, to where we were. Lord, every single day is a step to a better life because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And so, Lord, even today we make a decision we dare to believe you for greater things, God. We dare to believe you, Lord God, for salvation and healing and provision, God. Thank you, Lord, that you will take away every doubt in our life. In the name of Jesus, we pray, God, that you will dissipate any anxiety, any doubt, any worry, any fear of the future, God. And Lord, we, we command faith to rise up, Lord God. Give us a, a spirit of faith, just like Caleb, Lord God, an audacious, tenacious kind of faith to believe even for the, the impossible. You may put your hands down. Just before we sing this song, as all heads are bowed down, every eye closed, if you are here today and if you would like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you have not done that yet, I want you to boldly lift up your hand right now so that I can pray for you. Anyone at all, if you want to surrender your life to Jesus and receive forgiveness, receive the free gift of eternal life, I want you to lift up your hand right now. Thank you, Lord. Anyone else? Yes, sir. God bless you. Anyone else? Yes, sir. God bless you. Slip it up. Yes, ma'am. I see that hand. God bless you. You know, this is really by faith. When you raise up your hand, what you're saying is, God, I want you and I need you and I want your best for my life. If you're lifting up your hand, can, we just, can you just pray this prayer out loud? Can we just join them also? Let's say, Lord Jesus, I confess that I am a sinner and I am in need of you for forgiveness, and for salvation. And I thank you for giving your life on the cross so that I can be saved. I confess that Jesus is my Lord and I believe that He is raised from the dead. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to one of our podcasts. We hope it blesses and inspires you to honor God and make disciples. For more messages like these, or to access other resources, please visit victory.org.ph 
or download the Victory app for free on the iTunes Store or Google Play. If you would like to share a story of God's faithfulness in your life, please visit victory.org.ph slash mystory.